Hey guys, it's Pleasant jumping on here to tell you a little about today's conversation with Rita Stevens, who is our community leader in Thrive and the co-host of our writing, yoga, and meditation retreat, July 27th to 29th. We have a few spots left and we'd love for you to join us. It's going to be a relaxing uh, deep dive uh, just into writing projects, blogs, articles, books, free writing. I've got some awesome prompts that I love to use. Um, Rita will be teaching meditation, we'll be teaching yoga, and just spending time together uh, to relax and reflect. So if you want to join us, email pleasance at littleohm.com or go to soulfulselfcare.com and you'll find it there. All right, enjoy the conversation. Hello, Rita, are you Hello. there? Yes, Hi. Hi. All right, so Rita's back on. Rita, our first episode, Conversations in Race um, and Rising Up. I got a lot of amazing emails and texts, um, people saying that they were crying as they were listening to us talk and that it really, they appreciated our honesty and just connection. So, of course, uh, in that episode, we talked about Rita coming back on to dive into two other areas that are a little bit uh, maybe heated or controversial, <laughs> which we love to talk about, <laughs> um, around uh, yoga and wellness practices and money. <laughs> All right. And the money stuff. <laughs> so, um, Rita, anything you want to say to get started? I, um, what I'll say is, um, I'll say that, you know, money is something that really is as much as we try to suppress it and come up with these nice cliches, you know, money doesn't buy you happiness and none of that. I turn 37 tomorrow. And one thing that I know for sure is that this money thing is a real thing in our lives and it mm. touches, it touches every facet. Mm-hmm. Like in this real world, like in this real world. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. Yep. <laughs> so I enjoy, I, I enjoy continuing to walk this path with you, Pleasance, because mm-hmm. see, now I'm, now I'm ready to confront it. I, I, I think I spent 36 years being my own money block because I thought love and life was like, love and light was going to um, help me refute the fact that rent is still due on the first. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's making sense. Well, what did that look like, though? I mean, did you meditate on money? Or, like, what was your... Um, how did you think you were going to pay that? Or did you, you sort of hope and cross fingers because teachers had told you that? Or, like, um, where did that sort of come from? So what I mean, what I mean by that is, I mean, of, of course, <laughs> um, you know... I'm not, I, okay, so we have, like, different... I'm glad you brought that up, right? So we have, like, different ways that, that we diffuse and deflect so like yes that is one aspect of like people who really won't pay their rent and and, like cross their fingers and think you know the universe will just beam down from above my thing was like being like so downtrodden and brokenhearted about this real world that we live in that operates on a monetary system like I spent a Mm -hmm. lot of time like on the mat like sending out you know prayers and wishes for the world Mm -hmm. to the world to change their value system you know everything shouldn't be profit driven and you know if I sit here long enough (laughs) and if I you know Mm -hmm. beam out love and light and if you know we have enough drumming circles (laughs) 
just, you know, mm-hmm. and just pour so much of it into, like, pour so much of me into that direction. And I, and, and I realized that, um, you know, I got to be emotionally agile. Um, this is two words that I just learned, literally, um, that you uh, bought my way. It's an uh, oh, yeah. article. Uh, and the mindful article, the emotional yes, agility. Yeah. Dr. Mm-hmm. Susan David. And I'm actually going to um, share the TED talk as well uh, mm-hmm. when I finish it. But, you know, I, I realized that, no, I, I'm now emotionally mature to realize that it costs money in this world. And it's and, and how to intersect the two, right? How to intersect being a person who considers myself very human driven and very spiritual, but also a person who, who can honor and respect money and honor and mm-hmm. respect that if I want to build and help others build businesses mm-hmm. that bring wellness services and products to the world, guess what? Mm-hmm. For money, so, so I'm just having a. I'm having. I'm in my space to try to come to integrate the two. But at least I'm. I'm. Re- I'm. I'm ready when I turn 37 tomorrow. I am ready. I'm ready to confront. Okay, this is the real world I live in, and it operates on money. Yeah. And then I, you know, I, uh, I have such. Um, I hold opposing. <laughs> Like so many things, all these paradoxes exactly. that I teach. Oh, it's so complicated. It's, very... it's not easy. And it's easy. Like, yeah. here's the thing. <laughs> There's two things, right? On one hand, I have all I need, all is well, and I always have, and I always will. Mm. Even when I was waiting in line for cheese as a four and five-year-old, all was well. Mm-hmm. I had all I need. I was provided. It was provided. Mm-hmm. And up to eating brie cheese in Paris with my grandmother, all is well. Mm-hmm. All is provided, right? Mm-hmm. I'm giving you like a real strong visual of my background and the, the opposing socioeconomic realities that I have lived in. Um, and it's probably one of the reasons why paradoxes and spirituality speak to me because I've lived it. That is my truth. I've been on government assistance and I went to, you know, elite boarding school. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I, as I keep talking about, did laundry in the laundromat and I went to uh, an Ivy League graduate program. So I can hold these somewhat externally seeming opposing, opposing realities, but the truth in all of those circumstances is all as well, and I have all I need. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I'm glad you brought that up because I'm, I'm not sure um, how much I dived into, like, the first nine years on the, la- on the last podcast, which we talked about college. But I'm so glad you brought that up because um, I certainly spent the first nine years in the hell of poverty, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, literally, like, living outside and sleeping in the park. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and all that and all that and all that. And mm-hmm. um, now that you've brought that up, I can I can dwell on that a little bit more, too, and just understand that um, you're right. You know, it did, it did, you know, in terms of like my resiliency and I like I don't you know, I am a calm person. I, my needs are met. I think mm-hmm. um, 
the other side, that other space where I have to address that money is real is because I cringe. Like I literally cringe at the thought of ask, like, you know, I haven't done it yet, but I, I would cringe. Like when I start doing like meditation classes, the thought of me telling someone it costs $20 to come to meditation class, I still cringe about crossing hmm. that. That's so, so maybe, so maybe let mm-hmm. me explain a little bit mm-hmm. deeper. I don't, I, I'm having a hard time holding space. Like, it costs money to offer something that I value that I value that should be that should be should that everyone should have access to and be free without this thing in the middle mm-hmm. and that's where I'm still having a hard time holding space like it's okay everyone you want to come to my meditation class it costs twenty dollars and that and twenty a twenty dollar meditation class that's like the community of the community class, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a hard time with that because, again, you know, as a woman of color, you know what I'm saying? Like, what? Somebody saying, what? You, you, you're spending $100 a month to, to do what? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm coming out of that, and then I, I feel bad. I, I, and I, I, still don't, I still don't have the courage and the strength to wrap my head around. It costs money. You're going to have to charge people money to run a wellness shop. Okay. And yeah, no, I, I trust me, like running the studio was this conversation in my head over and over because of this combination, this integration of personal wellness and well-being and service Mm. and the $10,000 a month in bills. Mm -hmm. Like it's not a joke. (laughs) Like if you're going to be in a city, like the lights aren't free, Mm -hmm. right? The toilet paper was not free. Mm -hmm. The paying the teachers was not free. Mm -hmm. So Unless you are saying I'm fully giving myself over to an ashram model where you're living there and it's totally communal based, right? And you work and you, and your service and your prayer and your practices all kind of flow because that community is saying we want to be, this is how we want to have our community, any sort of communal uh, neighborhood like that, right? Like, or, or compound. (laughs) On the other hand, in Buddhism, you know, there is a teaching that you really, it has to be Donna. It has to be pay what you can so that everything is, um, accessible. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that there are ways, but here's the thing with hierarchy of needs. If you're saying pay what you can, and then your bills are actually concrete and solid and fixed and your pay what you can does not pay them. The person who's doing the offerings is physically suffering at a mm-hmm. cellular level because their basic needs are not being met. Right. Mm-hmm. So then we sort of compare that. So then let's add a layer of all is well. I have all I need. And that helps us break through some of these fears that we have. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let me give you a concrete example. Um, my husband has decided to go back on his own and have his own business again, which he's extremely entrepreneurial. And this is our story. And I'm totally fine with it. I a hundred percent support him. He's always been supportive of my ridiculous <laughs> adventures. <laughs> so I totally support him. And someone said to me, a mom friend who's extremely practical, quote unquote, said to me, aren't you so nervous um, what about steady income? What about healthcare? What about, you know, she had a laundry list of what abouts and fears based in scarcity because she does not see the world as abundant and in harmony. 
And she lives in a lot of fear. Okay. This person has a lot of anxiety. This person has a lot of um, scarcity mentality and that shows up. It's confirmation bias. Like she has a lot of fears and she sees a lot of fear fear. and she experiences a lot. So, and lack, she sees a lot of lack. She Mm -hmm. sees all the things she doesn't have. Mm -hmm. She's telling me about them, Mm -hmm. all the things she wants. And that's how she is. This this is not a judgment. I love this person so Mm -hmm. much. It's it's just how we see the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, I said to her, I'm, I'm actually so thrilled to support my husband this way. Mm -hmm. I'm actually thrilled to let him rise and to see what happens. And then I said to her, you know, I've actually thought about like, if it doesn't quote unquote work out this thing, do you know what amazing opportunities and possibilities could be on the other side of this? Mm -hmm. Like say it doesn't work out and we you know, quote unquote, the worst thing would be he couldn't pay the rent on our home and we'd have to leave. My ideas and brainstorming and creativity went directly to, we could move in with my grandma and we could help take care of her. Mm -hmm. She -hmm. has a big house that's empty and she needs care. Mm -hmm. And gosh, that could be really special. And then I thought, well, you know, my other, our in-laws have a big house in Delaware because our grandfather just passed. The great grandfather just passed. We could, and they have this amazing farm and I could literally like homeschool my kids on their farm for a year and it would be so cool, right? Like there would be challenges, I'm sure, just like moving to Connecticut, moving in with my grandma. Like I'm not trying to live in la la land and say these things won't have a host of their own issues. However, what I am doing is training my brain and remembering that I don't always have the rest of the story. Yes. That a seemingly challenging financial situation could lead to the most beautiful, interesting connections and adventures. And actually, you know what you're bringing up? You're bringing up a 20-minute conversation I had with this Excuse me, I'm just going to be real for a second. I got on the train. I was catching the red line into the city. And somehow this, t- he, I mean, he, he he was towering. I mean, he was just so tall. He, his head almost hit the, the ceiling of the train. And just very, a, t- a very gorgeous Italian man. Anyway, of all the people that he could have sat by, he sat beside <laughs> A very beside, gorgeous Italian. I mean, just all right. But and he sat beside me. And what you just tapped into, he taught me for 20 minutes. Some He, would, mm. he was some, like, program, some big honcho program guy down at the World Bank. And he was on his way to a, to a meeting. And we got to mm. talking about the healthcare system and socialism and blah, 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 blah. And he had taught me something so, so serious that you just mentioned. He said, you know what I don't understand about America that y'all haven't gotten yet? He said, you know, living with less strengthens your family and community bonds. Yes. Yes. And he talked about how, you know, look, I know he said, I'm not trying to, you know, make you feel better or anything, but, you know, let me take you to my little world of Sicily. I said, please do. Please do. And he explained how, and he was just saying, look, we don't have Starbucks, okay? We don't, we don't have, you know, uh, you know, this doom and gloom would have Social Security uh, ends narrative plan because guess what ain't no social security in Sicily okay we're our social security and I and mm-hmm. just him explaining that blew my mind mm-hmm. away so what you're speaking to I definitely resonate with because I'm healing from that and you're absolutely right Pleasance like you know once we break our minds and our hearts from this grip of somebody else or something else is 
supposed to take care of my basic needs. As soon as we turn the corner on that, it really opens up places and space to like learn self-reliance and self-resilience and self-care and Mm self-love, all these big fluffy words we throw around, but we re-strengthen our families. Like our elders, hello, and I might piss some people off on the podcast, but I think you and I are hanging on something. Our elders are not supposed to be isolated and alone. That's not Mm. how our society, that's not what we, as a human race, that's not how we used to be. And that's not healthy. Mm -hmm. Like it it breaks a chain Mm -hmm. when our elders are living alone. So what you're speaking to really um, excites me because that is exciting to re-mend the circle and, and, and with children, parents, and grandchildren, I mean, grandparents, mm-hmm. that opens up mm-hmm. wonderful possibilities and opens up more healing. And there's just, it's, it's really a practical way to look at the world through love and expansion rather than mm. fear and scarcity. Like that is, that is the best example that I can give that I just don't see the world in that way. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just always looking mm-hmm. for the ways that it's providing. Yeah. I'm always looking for the ways that it's connecting. I'm always moving towards the things that are, I can feel that tingling in the cells. Right. And I think that, um, I'm also a realist and so are you is like, okay, so someone comes to me for like business coaching or mentorship and they say, okay, I'm teaching 40 classes a week. I'm making $20 a class. I'm so stressed out. I don't have my own practice. It's not working. Like we have to subtract a lot in order to get her to a place of moving back into that abundant state, Mm -hmm. moving back into that state of well-being, because from well-being, we then can feel our connection to abundance. Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody who feels that when they are burnt out, overworked, Mm -hmm. overtired, Mm -hmm. and (laughs) over-caffeinated. Right, right. And with these, and and I I really would encourage everyone to look up the um, emotional agility and Dr. Mm -hmm. Sarah Davidson's TED Talk, because the thing mm-hmm. is, we're not, I, I think, and again, so I'm so glad we're having this conversation because something that I've just gotten privy to in 2018, money blocks. What are they? Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. all the things mm-hmm. you described, all the things you just mm-hmm. described, along mm-hmm. with, like you're saying, certain emotional frequencies, the anger, the grief, the sadness, mm-hmm. the disappointment, mm-hmm. victimhood, mm-hmm. all that blocks and constricts our access to so much that that's sitting right there in front of our face mm-hmm. or may not be sitting in front of our face, but because we're constricted and looking down at the floor in our own dark hole, we can't step into well, the light. Yeah. And that's why you have to have, that's why we, number one, we have to do the work. Yeah. And when I say do the work, I mean, get the books, listen to the podcast, get your journal out and do the work, yeah. make time and space to heal these wounds. Because that is how we expand, we open through the chest, we can breathe into the whole system, all of our energy wheels, our chakra system. That is how we start to become these vessels of energy and light. It's not from sitting on the ground and just meditating, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That is one tool that helps and is part of the work. But also, just like you said, if you have these money blocks and you're not even seeing them, you've got these limiting beliefs, that's why you join Thrive. That's why you Mm -hmm. reach out. That's why you come on retreat. You start to do the work to show up for your inner life, Mm -hmm. for your inner being, Mm -hmm. because you feel that discomfort. 
And I just want to be really clear about the money thing. And then I, I definitely want to hear your story around this as well is like, I did not grow up in a home where anybody taught me about money, <laughs> budgeting, saving, retirement. I did not grow up in homes where I was taught how to run a business, how to, I, I do not, I have learned everything on my own with my own motivation with support now from my husband who though is not not a good teacher for me like we always end up in a fight if he's trying to teach me something <laughs> like it's so frustrating we're in a better place now but in the beginning when i started this journey 20 years ago around money he was not a good fit um and i wasn't ready he wasn't the right person is also my point is i would get defensive listen my money my money story has so much shame. Mm. There's so much that I felt ashamed of um, mm. because I was just spending, spending, spending. And it, it continued even when I ran the studio, like the amount of moving parts when with the studio um, between students and staff and my own family and my own teaching and running the business, it was like, just way out of control. And I went into a lot of debt. And when you own your own business in that way, it's personal debt. Mm -hmm. You know, it's my name. Mm -hmm. I didn't have funders and loans. Like it was my name and my debt. And I've had to spend the past two and a half years. I'm super, 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 super proud of this. As I stopped using a credit card in 2015, when I knew I was going to close the studio because I had $25,000 worth of debt that I accumulated, that I'm going to take responsibility for in the name ready of service, Mm -hmm. because I told people four months in advance that I was closing the studio. So I didn't make, I had to keep paying everything, but not new money wasn't coming in. Mm -hmm. And I still bought things for the studio and I still kept it very nice. And I made the choice to hire expensive consultants to help me think through closing the studio. And I, really took on personal debt in order to save that place. Mm -hmm. And it did not, it was not going to work out. So I had to get real and accept the debt that I had put us in. And that's that. So I now have spent um, the past two and a half years paying off that debt. And I paid off the debt in February and became free of that debt from the studio. But it took a lot of work. I read probably you guys like, five to 10 books around women and money. Mm-hmm. It's serious. I, journals, money love dates, yeah. looking at money every day, paying attention to where it goes out and where mm-hmm. it comes in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what you're describing, I mean, like I can certainly say the same kind of exp- that process that you're talking about, like that process of doing the work is very important because, um, you know, I, could, I mean, it depends on where you want me to start. Do you want me to go, like, back to the past or, like, right now? Well, again, what do you think is relevant? Um, yeah, what oh, do you think is relevant and interesting you, for people from yeah, your story, you know? You, you said money wounds. I'm so glad you talked about that, money wounds. So, in 25 words or less, like, you know, I, you know, being born in a situation where your mother has been cut off and, she, I mean, her family wasn't well to do but I mean like in terms of like a human support like basic needs like food clothing and shelter no they her and her babies off and so mm-hmm. my first world view of DC my first view of life was on the streets in and out of shelters um my mother having to use 
her other asset between her legs as currency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that me and Candace can eat at the Chinese restaurant. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I So with that, I don't think, since we're talking about money wounds, I think what I took on was just um, anger. Mm-hmm. I took on heartache, like grief. I would say anger mm-hmm. and grief. Anger and grief. Mm-hmm. Anger mm-hmm. and grief. Like grieving, like, okay, I'm going to elementary school. I'm, you know, this was in the 80s. You know, now we got TV. And in the 80s, you know, the video games started coming out. These more expensive toys, you know. So I'm growing up during a time, like, now it's, it's out of control really now. But during, I, I was kind of like, as an early 80s baby, you're born in, like, this serious crossover in contemporary America. Like, mm-hmm. the 70s versus the 80s, everyone, no matter what your background, I think you just watch, like, culture really take a turn, and some turns were really for the worse. And mm-hmm. one of those was in the 80s, this instant gratification, me, me, me. You started to see that, like, you know, and I remember Christmases and, and coming, you know, coming back to school, and um, I remember people talking about, first of all, that they woke up in a bed. Spe- mm-hmm. Speaking of a money wound, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I really, a bed, I, I, I really honor the, a bed to sleep in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it really clouded me to, mm-hmm. to like, just to grow up in loss and to grow up deprived. Um, and so growing up, um, that resiliency that I spoke about in podcast number one, where, you know, it, I come out as the, you know, I come out <laughs> the, on the other side, victorious, with mm-hmm. the help of these guardian angels. But the first, like, 18 years of that, you know, like, like the, the middle, the, the, excuse me, the first eight to 10 years, that was hell on earth. Like, it literally was hell mm-hmm. on earth. Like, you know, mm-hmm. coming to school, my friends, you know, their parents have jobs, their parents have cars. You know, mm-hmm. their parents, you know, when they go home, they're, you know, that this is back then, you start to see you kind of fray away, but people were still coming home to dinner. Like last night, mm-hmm. me and my mommy, we talk, we were at the dinner table. I'm like, we don't even have a table. Sit at. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, so, like, stuff like that really penetrated my, like, my, my heart. Like, like the heart, just grieving, like, wow, wow. I, the mom, that this caricature mom, because that's a whole nother podcast, but this caricature mm-hmm. mom that everybody else has that like, you know, ha- you know, working and taking care of the kids and just swooning into the kitchen at 6 p.m. and taking care of everybody. I don't have that caricature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was so fixated mm-hmm. on that caricature, um, as we all, I think, were. Anyway, but I it, and it really um, I grew up that so so like that spark of gotta gotta be resilient got, came from now that I'm looking back on it, it's a it's a miracle and I I'm thankful that I had that, that resilience the strain of resilience, but it birthed from a very screwed up place and so I had mm-hmm. to heal that like it's great to be mm-hmm. resilient but if you're mm-hmm. resilient from a place of grief and anger. <clears throat> Quite frankly, and I'm I'm just keeping real for y'all on the podcast. I'm be honest, and if I got, and if anybody has a problem, I invite people to. We can talk about it over coffee or wine. Every black woman comes from. Mm -hmm. It comes Mm -hmm. from a place and space of being in a in family or like community settings where 
you're, you don't have women models who are like some semblance of um, uh, some semblance of happy, some semblance, mm-hmm. you have these fragments of women and they're mm-hmm. all holding the weight of the family on their shoulders mm-hmm. or just cut off if they're different, cut off if they're traumatized. Um, to give you another snippet of the story because it's important, right? Our money wounds come from very, very deep places and we got to go deep. We got to go to hell to figure it out. So, so I'll tell y'all the depth of the hell pit. So my mom's issues, like her mental issues, which spilled into her financial state came from a place of her father was raping her mm-hmm. and everybody knew all the family knew about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it was a, she's crazy. She's got to get together. Everybody, everybody, you know, everybody, everybody, if you're a woman in this world, everybody's molested everybody, you know, that going up in that tape. So mm-hmm. I ingested all of that. I ingested mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. and, it's, and, and not having, I didn't, I certainly didn't know you yet. Not having other close females in my life to that could counterbalance to help to kind of help me walk out I mm-hmm. held that grief in my heart I held that anger in my heart I held mm-hmm. that I'm gonna wave the banner for people mm-hmm. who are homeless I'm gonna wave the banner for the for a woman who's raising her kids by herself I'm gonna wave the banner for people who may have been um, sexually assaulted and don't have a voice like it can't so now that I realize it like it's Attributes are good, but when they're out of balance, they they can be very severe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so my process, okay, same thing. My process was okay. You know, I um, you know entered into uh, uh, this was when I was teaching, and Kaiser Permanente had a behavioral health program, and they had a, they said, okay, you can do one of two things: you can get on these pills for the rest of your life, or go into mm-hmm. this mindfulness eight week class. Mm. MBSR was um, it? It was MBSR. stress reduction. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Thanks for bringing yeah. that up. Yep. And it was yeah. under back then. I don't know if it's true now under some of the major healthcare programs, but it's important mm-hmm. to, to, yes. to, to to point these yeah. things out so people can access. It's mm-hmm. used, uh, It's uh, it's offered under the cognitive behavioral or the uh, the DBT or the CBT programs, cognitive mm-hmm. behavioral therapy and mm-hmm. the DBT program. So I said, all right, well, I, I know I certainly don't want to get on pills. So let me go into this mindfulness course. And I tell you, um, that was helpful. And that helped me open up my my world. It, it, it educated me on how toxic stressors, and we all have them. Everybody that's listening to this podcast, you have been inundated with some type of toxic stressor during mm-hmm. your childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, or adulthood. Or, or adulthood. Or teens. Or, or adu- right. yes, we yes, all have we all, these I one to really, three core wounds. Exactly. Right? We all have core it's, wounds. Exactly. So, in that, so that was the first opening up of mm-hmm. a place and space that allowed tools, books, and techniques. And it also helped me understand, oh, wait, I can change. I can change Mm -hmm. my mind. I can change my worldview. I can change. How about just keeping it that simple? Like Mm -hmm. that mindfulness-based stress reduction class taught me that I can change. And then Mm -hmm. that opened me up to books. It opened Mm -hmm. me up to Mm -hmm. um, recognizing that, you know what, I always keep books and journals with me because I'm a writer. And so just Mm -hmm. writing, Mm -hmm. always being able to write my emotions, whether or not I had someone to talk to them about or someone who can help me really, that wasn't the point. But just having that tool, that was my self-care, a a, a simple old, you know, uh, journal with a pencil and pen. That's a self-care tool right there. Mm 
mm-hmm. where you can pour yourself on the page. And then that's what, and then so shortly after that, that's when I met Pleasance, who bought in yoga and mindfulness into the school I had ended up. Mm-hmm. So that previous experience through the mindfulness course helped me in several mm-hmm. smaller years of self-study. Mm-hmm. And then I was ready to receive Pleasance when I met mm-hmm. her at September mm-hmm. Clark. I was ready mm-hmm. to receive. I knew what she was giving to our boys worked because it was working for me. I knew mm-hmm. it. I saw mm-hmm. it. I lived it. So, and that's why I resonated with Pleasance. And I, I, I saw her as a, as, a, as a blessing in that school space because she was bringing medicine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the the piece that just I have the chills that like so resonates is that this is your story, but th- and this is my story, and this is again universal wisdom and shared common humanity. Like mm-hmm. I'm so ridiculously passionate about bringing these tools and techniques on things like this free podcast because the practices of exactly what you said: journaling, mindfulness, processing, integrating, digesting, and moving forward are the same ones that healed me. Mm-hmm. Like they, they lived and breathed through me. When people say like, how do you, you know, do this? It's because I had to use these as well. I was not right. in a good place. <laughs> so that's how we, that's how this begins to un, um, really connect our shared stories and to really be able to see each other in each other's stories. And that's why these stories are so important to share because they get a little bit of life breathed into them. And what we know about the joints and the physical body is that a little bit of space really provides the environment for healing and for our bodies to be the magical, mysterious, you know, beautiful things that they are in health. And that's the same with our processing of grief is that when it's closed and when it's contained and when we're pushing it and when we're shoving it, we don't have the opportunity for space and healing and breath. That's why this work this study, this like this time of bringing together healing and trauma and cells and mindfulness and yoga and journaling, like we have never been in a time where we know the science of healing and mm-hmm. well-being, mm-hmm. and that we can truly step up and do this and share our light and lift up our brothers and sisters by doing our own work. And that's what I want to say is like I wrote down these notes when you were talking is like anger and grief, anger and grief are emotions. Emotions are energy in motion. Yes. Emotion. Anger and grief are emotions. Energy in motion. Ready for the next level? Money is energy. Yes. It's an exchange of energy. If I can make more money, I can give more money. I can give more love. I can give more opportunities. If my cup is full and my bills are paid... I can provide scholarships. I can do mentorships. I can, I have so much more energy. I'm not living in scarcity. I'm able to rise up because the money is the energy from which it's another energy. um, Just like our physical body, just like our chakras, if they're blocked, right? Like if fifth chakra is blocked, which is throat and communication, Um, I want to do the work to move it through so I can speak clearly Mm -hmm. and I can speak clearly what I'm here to do and what that dharmic nature, what that purpose is. But if it's blocked and I I don't have a strong voice, I can't do that. And Mm -hmm. so I have to do the inner and outer work to have that clear up. 
it's the same thing with money. Mm-hmm. If you're afraid to talk about money, if you're afraid mm-hmm. to look at your money, if you're um, afraid you're not going to have enough, if there is that money block or that money wound, let's pick at it. Let's share those mm-hmm. stories. I know it's painful to hear about someone's mother being raped. That's painful. And we can breathe and we can hold space and lift one another up and move through the pain of humanity, not by cowering, not by hiding, not by pretending things aren't happening, but by being, by revealing truth. That's why in all the spiritual traditions, they say things like the truth will set you free Yeah, because you don't have to be so afraid. And I just want to, you know, really sort of, bold highlight that our practices are interconnected and interrelated and that I've, I've shared this, I think in writing before, but I heard Sharon Salzberg say once that she came when she was in college and she heard about Eastern philosophy and specifically Buddhism. And she heard that there were tools and techniques to help relieve suffering and release suffering She said, I want that. I need that. It never occurred to her that anyone else was suffering, right? Mm -hmm. Because it it was, she had her own suffering. Mm -hmm. Her mom had died. She has, again, a lot of painful stories to hear around her mom dying and being passed around to various relatives. But it's through that suffering where she found Buddhism and found, oh my gosh, other humans suffer too. Mm -hmm. And there's a way to relieve and release. And it's not by avoiding. It's by going in. It's by feeling it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what our energy practices are on the internal and external. And that's what our our money practices are and our emotions. They're all connected. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you mentioned the themes of like, like us walking through like what are, you know, going really deep about what our money blocks, you know, I, I, and it's so interesting how like money, your state of money and your state of health, they, they, they live in tandem. Mm-hmm. And it, I noticed for myself and I encourage you all to, to do a self-reflection <laughs> on this. You take a piece of paper and you you diagnose yourself. You you lay out kind of what what's my money state right now on the left side of the piece of paper. And you you lay out on the right side of the paper. Okay, how about my health? What's what's going on? And you look at that piece of paper. You'll be able to connect some dots. It's very serious. When you talked about how emotions and energies and 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 our you know our unhealed. Um, things that are unhealed that we're holding on to those you will see those issues on the paper manifested in your money and manifested in your health mm-hmm. they both go and let's be hand. clear not like in let and just be clear that having a lot of money does not mean you're healthy oh, oh so let's talk about that so, so let's flip it on the other side so i'm so glad you mentioned that let's flip it on the other side when I say the money state, I'm not talking about, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Let me just, let me explain mm-hmm. further. When I say mm-hmm. the money state, I'm not talking about your account balance. I'm talking mm-hmm. about looking through how, where your money goes to. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, what, what do you, yes. what you spend your money on and what you invested in, you know, mm-hmm. cause trust you me. Okay. If somebody wants to do that exercise and say, all right, I'm doing all right. I got, I'm mm-hmm. just making up an arbitrary number. I got a million dollars. But if you sit down with that person, I guarantee you their emotional state 
has some issues, their mental state has some issues, or their spiritual state has some issues. Where do you think, and again, if I make people cringe, is I'm sorry, but guess what? I got four words for you, Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade. People, everyone who have talked about it said, oh my God, I believe that they, you know, mm-hmm. what were they sad about? Well, just because they were, it's because they were on a physical level, famous and had money, that doesn't take away their humanness. They had pain. You, it may not have manifested in their, in their what you could look, what the world could see, but they had pain. Mm-hmm. And we, unfortunately, the world stage saw it manifested. So this money thing goes much more deeper. I'm so glad you pointed that out so we can break that down to people. It's very, very deep how you spend it, how you feel about it, where it goes day to day. So much more than alignment. Yeah. So that's what I, that's what I, there's a wealth chapter in Thrive where we talk about this and the exercise in it is that I have you guys look at your bank statement and look at your values and your core, your core values and your core desired feelings Mm. and see where they're matching up. Cause it's exactly that Mm. clarity, intention, being real. And so I am so proud that I spend the majority of my money on things that truly matter to me. When people ask me where I get all this energy and what does it mean? And what am I doing behind the scenes? It's because those things are lined up. I'm Mm -hmm. not spending money at Starbucks every day. Mm -hmm. Starbucks is not a value to me. Mm. Like giving them more money. And let's be clear, if you're spending money somewhere over and over and over, that is your actual lived out value, Mm. your action value. So you in your head might think I value family. I value my own learning. Are you, you know, where is that time and money being spent? Um, And again, with the library, it's awesome because you're not always going to see all the books I'm taking out and learning from the library, but I much prefer to support authors um, locally at places, you know, in DC, like politics and pros and things like that and buy their materials. I buy music. I buy videos I buy yes I buy artists work because that's important to me and yes. I I patreon I'm a patreon supporter of a bunch of creatives we are actually going to have one which is going to be super exciting yes. um but I believe in that that energy exchange I'm not always looking for the best deal mm. I spent um, a well, lot of mm-hmm. money to get me I spent a big chunk of money to help me with my publish my book two years ago because that was something I really wanted to do. And it, it was in my soul. It was not should do, it was soul do. I said, I want to, mm-hmm. sh- I really want to get a piece out in the world. I want to move through that. I want to feel what this feels like. And um, so looking at your bank accounts and where, how, where you spend your money, I have people who call me for a clarity call, right? This is the free 20 okay. minute call I do for people to see if it's a good fit to work with me privately or to join a group. And I can hear they don't have clarity of voice. They don't have Mm. the zest and the zeal for life. There's not a lot of power in the energy of the voice on the other side. And because I'm intuitive, I can feel that they're in, there's some, there's some disconnect, there's some congestion, Mm -hmm. there's some stagnation. And Mm -hmm. it hurts me because they won't invest in themselves because they're still in that scarcity mode. And there's some people who are not a good fit and I'm, not always accepting to work with everybody, but there are some people who I can't want it more than they do. Right. Like I Mm -hmm. can't want them to do the work and step up because I know what it takes to do the work and step up. 
but there has to be this like investment in yourself, this investment in your work. And that at some point needs to become a higher priority than a fancy bag or fancy shoes, you know? Well, you've tapped into, well, since since we're unpeeling the layers and we're we're talking about our own work, okay? This is, you know, I, I hope that whoever was listening I hope that pe- people hear that we're trying to be sincere to share with you the, the how many layers and how deep this money issue is. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you mentioned Starbucks because you've tapped into another layer, right? So money, our money is inherently linked to our values. And our values, there are forces that shape our values. Like this is not like conspiracy theory. No, this is real. There are there are political forces, economic forces, social mm-hmm. forces that all seek to influence and that hold structure to mm-hmm. societies. Okay. Let's talk about Starbucks for a minute cuz I want to I want to share my personal experience for mm. just 2-3 minutes working for Starbucks so I can cuz it taught me something and I and I want to share it with the world. First of all, I want to preface this. This is not my story is not to turn you away from Starbucks, but I just want to share. Right, I want right. to. We're not haters of Starbucks. It's just values and money and alignment. Values and money. <laughs> and your experience, which you're um, allowed to have. <laughs> and my experience. Starbucks. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons, and I, I had the, I had a, the interesting experiment because I wanted. I always dreamed of owning my own coffee shop, and mm-hmm. I want. So I set an intention. I said, well. For three months, I'm going to work for Starbucks. They're, they have some excellent business systems and practice. Um, mm-hmm. That So I said, well, let me just dive in. Let me, let me be a barista. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say this, and I want everybody to think about it. Starbucks sets a very deliberate intention to shape and brand what they have to offer in a way that will provoke you to pay $8 for a drink. They set the intention. They set the intention. Why am I bringing that up? I'm bringing it up for three points. Number one, I really want people to understand that sometimes when we force ourselves and we say, well, I can't afford, you know, the, 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 I can't afford to invest in a wellness program. I highly invite people to go into their bank uh, app and add up how much they spent on Starbucks. Mm-hmm. I just want to point mm-hmm. that out, how like mm-hmm. there are, you know, and again, they're just one of many corporations, but I just want to well, bring our, <laughs> our height of awareness. I want to bring our height mm-hmm. of awareness to, and, and put some of the agency and the locus and the power back in our laps. The same way that people can get up and decide, okay, and it's your decision. We're not here to blame and shame you for your decision. But with that same umph and energy and, 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 and willingness to, 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 to go get your latte every morning, why not take a second and look in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm, why not be worth X amount of dollars to to soothe my soul and to to to, mm-hmm. op- and to open up and heal. So so that I want to bring that up. Secondly, I want to bring up the fact about like there's a a lot of our money fears and anxieties sometimes don't even belong to us. You totally okay. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'll wrap this point up because I forgot my third point. This to say <laughs> some of our anxieties and fears around money are simply because we're reading the newsfeed. That's not mm-hmm. to say that it doesn't like have an influence. I'm not trying to say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, what I'm trying to say is, I've learned, and I'll just say what I know for sure, is um, 
the more and more I practice, 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 focusing and honing my daily life and my daily habit and routine and taking more responsibility for everything, but especially like my money, I, my anxiety and nervousness and fear about, you know, <laughs> the, the U.S. economy and, and, you know, interest rates and all that, it, it, I, I balance myself out. So I want, I want to help people like turn an eye to back inward mm-hmm. to themselves because sometimes mm-hmm. our money fears are driven by the U.S. Mm-hmm. stock market. And it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. are you really going to go to the hospital right now and have high blood pressure because the U.S. stock mm-hmm. market is up? Like, when you repeat mm-hmm. that to yourself, does it sound sane? Is your health at the whims of the stock market or the interest rates? I don't know. I'm just putting it out there for thoughts. So this is, and this is what came up, you know, I did this talk on the panel at the AAUW National Conference, American Association of University Women, called The Dark Side of Social Media. And you know what my biggest takeaway was from the whole day is remembering that Facebook and Instagram are businesses. Thank you. Their job is to have you click. Their job is to have you compare. Their job is to have you addicted to their platform. And so if you are someone and you're listening to this and you have a not a good relationship with Facebook or Instagram, meaning it's triggering your emotions and you're comparing, please zoom out and realize these businesses are trying to get you on their platform over and over and over. That's how they make money is by how many times you're clicking, how many times you're logging in and they create platforms that are addictive. Yes. So that's where our practices, like Rita was talking about, were really are really important for us to see clearly these businesses that are running, um, that are that are feeding off of our insecurities mm. and our weaknesses, our money which wants. is the the compare and the money. So yes. it's fascinating to me how in, in you know how um, really integrated and layered the this world that we're living in. It really is. Mm. My closing question for you, because I know our time is coming to an end, Ree, is just a few minutes ago, you said your practices help you with focus and alignment and clarity. Can you give us a practice that you do daily that can that someone could take and, and start to work with? Absolutely. Um, I do my money minute. Mm. And it's literally me either writing a money mantra to myself. Like if I'm feeling down or anxious about something, I say, oh, that's my cue. I go, I pull out my little notebook and I write down three things that I'm extremely grateful for that I have in my life. Gratitude. Awesome. Yeah. Gratitude. Gratitude. Just look around. When you feel yourself, all right, I'm good. I'm anxious. I'm I'm worried about something, uh, you know, that I don't have or I I recognize that I'm worried about money. Oh, time to be grateful. Time to show appreciation. And it's so funny because appreciation is a financial term. Appreciate. Appreciation. And I noticed that, like, when I take a step back and zoom out and make space for myself during those, like, during those times where I realize, okay, anxiety is kicking in. As soon as I take the time to take a step back and just appreciate what I do have, it helps me calm down. It helps me redirect and help mm-hmm. me refocus on mm-hmm. healing my money stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
And that's why the gratitude and the appreciation are part of law of attraction, are part of Ayurveda, are part of the science of well-being, are part of every spiritual <laughs> and religious, mm-hmm. um, you know, group and organization mm-hmm. for all of time. And so, again, if we're wired for negativity and we practice negativity and negative thinking and negative thoughts and scarcity from the moment we rise until we sleep, um, that's what we're going to get more of. Mm-hmm. And so I love that you share that you take the time to, when you're starting to go down that road to pause and to redirect, because we can do it. That's what that, um, neuroplasticity and epigenetics is all about this amazing information that we have that our brains can change. Um, and that can come in all between our emotions and our, um, money as well. Mm-hmm. Rita. Thank you. Thank you. You're the best. You are too. And I'm sure we'll we'll come up with another really awesome deep dive conversation uh, later this summer to come in. Actually, I wanted to bring up real quick too for the listeners. So Rita is the community manager for our online program Thrive. And Thrive, if you live close to the DC area, we do offer live events at my home and at a variety of studios and an alumni retreat every year. Um, So I really try to have Thrive be a mix of online. The content is online, but the community is live and ongoing um, in person. And also Rita, as the community manager, is engaging with Thrivers around their practices and uh, having these conversations and providing resources and tips and tools for a community as we build this community of women who want to thrive and who want to heal and who want to be taught um, how to do some of this work and then how to show up into um, really leaders of their own communities and the CEOs of their lives, um, because that's how I believe we all truly are. So Rita, thanks for being our awesome community manager and for jumping on and sharing your story. May you be happy, may you be safe, may you be healthy, and may you live with ease. Right now. Love you, girl. Love you too. Love you all. Bye. Bye.